We should be live. I probably always wear this thing backwards why it always aggravates me. I'll try not to dial up something crazy today. Stevie Wonder. All right. We're good to go. Good to go. So this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, part 11. So uh, let me read verses 5 and 6. I know part 11 and we're in verse 5 in chapter 1. But I know we're going slow, but it's very needful that we go slow because this book is so rich. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 and 10. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. And has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. And then back in Exodus chapter 19 and verse... Six, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Kings and priests, kingdom of priests. I have wondered about that verse for a long time. But as we go through this book and I begin to see more and more, more things begin to fit together. It says, and, uh, and hath made us. He has made us. What glory. You see who did it. We didn't do it. He did it. He's doing it. The unveiling of the sons of God is not the revelation of some people that can do something, but of a people that have become something. You know what? We're always talking about a being, our, our, our being, being something.
God's not concerned about taking us someplace to some far off heaven. Uh, This was a question that prompted me a long, long time ago. If so, why not just make us there? You know, I want to ask people. I mean, some people think God made the earth as a trial period. And I'm thinking, if you you really love your, your children, why not just make them in heaven? Why have a devil? Why all this nonsense? Just put us there and be done with it. God is concerned with making something out of us. It says, and hath made us. He's concerned with making something out of us. You know, in the Marines, when we walk through that door, it says we're making Marines. We're making men. You know, you're taking something and making something. That's what redemption is all about. It's not a question of where we are going. You know, that's the question that the church poses. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? That's not the question. It's a matter of what are we becoming? I mean, you just change the questions around. You change the whole narrative. That's the reason I said the other day we can't argue about once saved always. Change the question. What are we becoming? He talked to, and some, Paul would say, those were perishing. What are they becoming? They're perishing. We are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can have all of this at the same. You can have beggars and business leaders in the same place, but they're not the same thing. Right? They can both, you can have both in the kingdom. We got a kingdom of of God here full of beggars and leaders. They're both in the same place, but they're not the same thing. God is not working to take us, but to make us. In John it says, and I hear this verse quoted all the time, and, and I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and when you have an uh, absolute predestination thing, everything you read in the Bible is, is tainted towards that way. You'll see everything is predestinated. You can't get out of it. It's like you have these predestinated goggles on. But let me read you this this verse here, it's in John, but as First uh, John one, or uh, the Gospel of John one verse twelve. But as many as received him, to them, who's the them? To the many that received him, gave he power to become what sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, he gave them, you see, he put the choice on them. He gave the authority to them. Who is the them? Them that received him. And in Revelation 21, verse 7, he that overcometh, here we are again, he that overcometh, we're going to see that term many, many times, shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. We've said this a thousand times up here. And he, who is the he here? He that overcometh shall be my son. Didn't say sons here. Now we say sons of God plural because there's a many, many, many membered body. But we're becoming the body of the one son. That's, that's the why we had to do a lot of lead up before we could go into the book of Revelation because, you know, we, for one, we had to understand covenant. So many people today think they have their own personal covenant with, with 
with God. And if you do good, he blesses you. You do bad, he punishes you. Our covenant is in one man, the person of Jesus Christ. He deals with us in that person. So you and I, even though we're, we're individuals, are, one, we're many members of the one body. He shall be my son. I will be his God and he will be my son. And as a, as, a, as, a, as a result of his being, his being, Jesus Christ's being, we're following on to know the Lord. It's a, it's a natural result of his being. Our hearts are set on him. I mean, that's Colossians. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe that. Set your affections on things above. I mean, it, it just... It's a natural, as you're, as you're being, it's just a natural course. We aren't occupied with ourselves in that sense. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I can, you just don't even think about it. You began to see the Lord in everything. Hear His voice in everything, in every bird, in every tree, in, in, in everything. You hear the cry of the people, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> longing for him. Long, a longing, they don't even know what the answer is. We're occupied with his purpose in us. With what he said he would make for his namesake. Remember, for, for, they will be unto me. Kingdom, a priest, a holy nation. This people have I formed for myself. You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Now, as we go through this book, I want you to get this. And I, I don't think I'm overstepping my bounds here because it's needful to see. Because we've stated from the get-go, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ in us, not to us. Would it please God to reveal His Son in me? I want to say something here that, you know, I know a lot of times we hear the, we'll say we hear the voice of God, and that is, I know what people think, but it's very seldom audible in that sense. There's a verse that lights up, there's an unction, there's a you, you know what I mean? It's just a, just a you know that his voice sounds like your voice. It's when, when the light of God, which is Christ, comes and shines into our hearts, we become light. We become one with the light. When you become one with the light of him who is light, then what happens? The natural course is... You become light. Jesus talked about this in Matthew in chapter 5. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. You don't take a light and put it under a basket. You, you, you are the light. I mean, he's the light. We become one with the light. We, we become part of that light. When we feed on the bread of heaven, have you heard, ever heard this? You are what you eat. Well, that's very spiritual. When you feed on the bread of heaven, you become the living bread. I mean, that's, 
When we drink of the water of the spirit of life, out of our innermost being flows rivers of living water. You see, we, you become what you eat. You become what you drink. As we, we eat the body and, and blood of Jesus Christ, we become that. When he is made unto us righteousness, we become the righteousness of God. When he reigns on the thrones of our hearts, we reign with him. You'll see in Revelation, these, they overcome, they rule and reign with him. God will have a body. The body of Jesus Christ, His Son, in the earth, of people walking in God. We have talked about this in Colossians, as you received Him, so walk ye in Him. You remember those same ones that received Him, he, gave, he did what? He gave power to become the sons of God. People walking in Him, in Him we live and move and have our being. Not only walking in him, under him, as uh, joined to him. And I, this, I'm trying to be careful of what I say here because I don't want to say that uh, we become gods of our own. But you remember what he told Moses and Aaron? You'll be gods to Pharaoh. You, you remember that statement? You'll be gods to Pharaoh. That's what he's saying to us as we become one with him. It, it's a statement. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're becoming so much. I mean, I know we're all one with him, but I'm talking in experience that if they've seen us, they've seen the Son. Now that's hair-raising to me. Mind-blowing to me, almost unfathomable. It, it almost stutters my lips for it to even come off of it, of, of an awesome thing here. But this goes all the way back to Genesis. God is, well, you, you know, and in that, you remember what the Song of Solomon says? I mean, we rule and reign with him, under him, through him as, as vice regents, one with him. Terrible as an army with banners. To glorify the Father. God is raising up a people, what? Formed for Himself. Why is this people formed for Himself? Through whom He can reveal and manifest Himself in all of His wonderful fullness to the creation who is groaning for Him. There was a time when God appeared in a bush. He doesn't appear in the bush anymore. He appears where He's at in His body. You know, all of those appearings and the doves and all of these other things. He didn't do that anymore. He wrapped it up in his son. And that's it. So he's not going to appear anywhere else other than in his body, which we are the manifestation of his son in the earth at this very present moment. His royal priesthood. I'd love to go through the book of of Peter. Peter got a hold of it, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, who we've seen back over there in Hebrews and Genesis. Melchizedek was what? He was a king 
king of righteousness, king, king of Salem, king of... He was a king priest. God is raising up a kingly priesthood. To reign in mighty spirit, power, and authority over the earth. I'm, you know, to say this, people don't get this. I know you guys do, but I want to reiterate it. I know we got a, we got a lot more people watching, I found out this week, than, than you would think on this series. Jesus Christ was, was what Adam was supposed to be. Adam lost that. So Jesus, I mean, we've seen him. I, I mean, he did all of these wonderful things, walked on the water, he spoke to the wind. That was what we were supposed to be, and we gave it all away. But he did all of that in humility, being full of the Spirit, one with the Father. And he's so much so that he said, the words that I speak are not mine, yet he spoke. They said, no man has ever spake like this man. That's what, we're, that's what we are becoming. That's what we were called to be. A company of so terrible as an army with banners. Now in this kingly priesthood here, he's not raising up little human dictators. That's a humanistic mindset. Okay, uh, you know, I'm going to give you... Uh, 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 Ohio, and you can, and you over here. I'm giving you. That's the way England divided up the United States uh, before they were the United States. They come over here and said, "Hey, you're a lord. You take over Virginia, and you have this." Not little human dictators, or and, and nor some external government of laws or systems headquartered in Jerusalem or headquartered in D.C. or in London but an outflow of life and light and love. A picture of this in Job touching God with one hand and humanity with the other. He said there's no daysman betwixt us. He's talking about a priest. I mean, that's what the priest does. He, he reveals God to the people and he brings the people to God. The priest. Who is Jesus Christ? He's our high priest. And we're the body of the high priest, clothed in his glorious garments. And by their priestly ministry, bringing the two together, they, that God may dwell in them even as he dwells in us. By a spirit and live and rule in them in power and glory. This kingly nature... In us is not to dominate over men's lives. But to deal and to break the power of selfhood. And rebellion. And sin and the devil. That they may be reconciled to God. Now we know that God is reconciled all to himself. We have peace with God. In other words, God doesn't have anything against you. But so many people have so much still yet against God. Still rebellion against God. That rebellion is still there. God has nothing against us. All of that was dealt with in the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We're at peace with God. But you see, 
Paul had a ministry. Let me, let me tell you what Paul's ministry was. Um, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming. There's that word again. Becoming anew. Becoming. I told you we are becoming what? We're becoming kings and priests. He has made us. We're becoming sons of God. Becoming. We already are. But it's the growing up. It's the growing up. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by or through Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I thought he would have said a prophecy. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Hang on to this next part. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. What a ministry. This is the king priest ministry after the order of Melchizedek. Kings have power and authority, priests reconcile in mercy and grace and love. Once the reconciliation has taken place, just as it had to do with you and me, and Christ is enthroned in their hearts, we deliver them up to God, even the Father, that God may be all and in all. See, there's a time for the kings, and then you give them over to the king of kings. We rule only to subdue men to God. Then God rules in them, just like he rules in us. He rules first through us that he may finally rule in them. And in the ages yet to come and the kingdom of God shall be expanded from round to round. Scripture says, for of the increase of his government and peace... There shall be no end. You remember the scriptures that says this makes his ministers. Uh, how, did, how does it say making his minister fire? Do you, flame of fire. Yeah, I can remember. A great kingdom of priests is being set on fire. Now we're going to go into this here just in a little bit more. You'll see it here in a minute. Being set on fire with the life and the love and the power of God. We've seen it to as many as received him. To them he gave the power to become the sons of God. That will cause the nations of the world to turn to the living God in these days of crisis. I'm telling you we can look around and I, and I warn people. But I, I watch with great anticipation. I don't know what all God is doing, but I know He is doing, and He is making, and He is becoming. And when it looks the darkest is when the light shines the brightest. 
I mean, we can look and say, oh, if we lose this election, look, I don't care. I mean, I vote. I do what I have to do as a human being in society. But I'm going to tell you what, my heart and my affections is set on him who is above. And I know that he holds the nations in the palm of his hand like a speck of dust. I see that and I'm thinking, wow, I mean, what happens if all, through all of this great turmoil, millions wake up and begin to turn to the Lord? I mean, we would sit back in awe and wonder. And, you know, mostly what we do as Christian people is we, we say, yeah, that would be great, but we really don't believe it. We really don't believe that he could turn nations in a moment to himself. And if he does it, he does it through his people. Because that's the way he works. Too long have men occupied themselves in religious efforts. Embalm yesterday's revivals. You know what embalm means? I remember, I forget which one of the Russian dictators it was. Maybe it was, it was Lenin. They embalmed him and put him in glass and set him up. He's dead, and the people were still scared of him. We were bombing those old moves of the past, wrapping it up in grave clothes that only speak of the past. Remember, he said, take them clothes off. If you want to bless humanity and transform the world and see captives set free and see sin and death and sorrow driven out until there's a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, then forget once and all, all of the old order church systems and methods of the past. Has any of them converted the world? Has any of them delivered creation? Remember he said, behold, I do a new thing. I'll tell you, Malcolm told me that one time, God never does the same thing twice. And we're always looking to recreate the old stuff. That's why I say up here, we got to be on our toes because we don't know what he's doing. He may, you know... Doing things different. We got to have our eyes to the heavens to see what he's doing. What is he working in us? Behold, I do a new thing. You know, when he started with John Wimber and them, those guys out there, it was a new thing, never before seen. But I know if, that, if it takes off again, it won't look like that. It'll be something different and it'll be bigger and it'll be more awesome. So we can't, we can't put the grave, can't try to revive all of that stuff. This won't, this won't be another revival of evangelical crusades and more TV programs and more music concerts and building more churches and more megachurches. But the overflow of divine passion and power of a people that is filled with God who is love. And these won't minister in organized meetings. There'll be no pulpits, no choir, no song service, no prepared sermons, no organization or promotion of any kind. We'll need it. Jesus didn't have Facebook. He just ministered wherever he was at. Ministry will be spontaneous in every place and at all times in fields and streets and homes and businesses and restaurants and Burger Kings and Taco Bells and schools and churches and airplanes. 
Wherever they are to minister, they will appear in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit and minister to all men everywhere without respect of persons. I'm going to tell you, I see this sometimes. It happens to me. I wish it would go on every day, but it don't. But the Lord will give me a little taste of this ministry this way. And I tell you what, yesterday, when I finally took my shoes off and got my night duds on and sat back, I was wore out. I thought, what a day of ministry. What a day of ministry I had yesterday. And it began about 10 after 7. And with a phone call here and a phone call there and talking with these people and talking with these people. And it was ministry. I mean, it was ministry all the way up. Even, even at the store, I mean, I was ministering so much to these different people. I mean, people are crying on the phone. I know people you don't even know. I had no idea, but it was just ministry and it was flowing. And, and you know what I mean? There was nobody around. I didn't know, no pulpits or nothing. And it was just one after another. So much so, I said, man, I got to go to Wally World for a minute. I'm in Wally World. I'm, I'm pushing my buggy at a higher rate of speed. I see this guy that I know and we know each other somewhat. And, and you know, you're just going to kind of speak. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? He grabs my arm. So we got to talk. You know what I mean? It's just no going away. So then, and I, and I tell you this, and I, I want to—I already got my blessing from it. But uh, as I got done, I'm walking out and I'm putting my stuff. I walk by this uh, car and I see this lady in a in a car. It's a or it's a it's like one of them Humvees. I don't know what they call them. Them Toyota kind. It's big. And I walk by and she's got a flat tire. So I'm thinking, ah, she probably knows. She's on the phone. So I walk down and put my stuff in there, and I got to walk out because I always park way out. I got to walk back by, and I said, as I put the buggy in there, I said, we got to tell her. So I go up, and I peck on the window, and she's on the, on the phone. It's an older lady, and she cracked the window a little bit. And I can imagine, you know, here's I'm in my railroad clothes. And she probably thinks, who is this gray-bearded-looking dude? Might be a weirdo. I said, ma'am, you got a flat tire. Are you kidding me? And she finally come out and looked. I stayed way back. You can look. And, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it really wasn't no thing. And we got her down there and put some air in. I guess she had a nail or something in it. And I paid for the air. You got to do all that. And she's trying to pay me. She said, who are you? Who are you? I haven't been around somebody so nice and so long, and here you are. I could have been on the side of the road. You know, it's just little things, but it's, it's ministry that, that just keeps going and going and going. I had text messages yesterday, and I just thought, wow. And then when I got, finally got home and I got, got to eat a little bit, another phone call came in. There's two more hours on the phone, and I mean, it just kept going on and on, one after another, and I... And, and, you know, it's a little glimpse to me of the ministry that takes place everywhere at all times. There was no script. There was, I didn't have a Bible, and I wasn't saying, oh, here it is. But me and that lady, I didn't even mention anything about, how, are you saved? You know what I mean? I didn't mention anything. She says, who are you? Who are you? Please take this money. I said, no, man, yeah. 
That's the ministry that I'm talking about that is on the rise. And I can't wait to see it on the rise. That it just doesn't have, that we don't have to meet in some building somewhere. Imagine the lives that could be changed. And I just took that picture and I sat back last night, you know, by 11 o'clock and I'm just like, golly. I wasn't really tired, but I felt a little empty. You know what I mean? Like it had been drawn out of me all day long. And I could just, you know, the Lord was, I knew the Lord is just saying, this is what it's about right here. And, you know, you want to do it. It didn't happen today. You want it to happen, but I don't make these things happen. They just happen. So I say, don't be discouraged. You remember Jesus told them, don't let your hearts be troubled. I see so many people that are downtrodden, downcast. But let it be lifted high. God is at work. He's doing something mighty. I don't know what it is, but I know that he is. I mean, I I get excited about it. You know, I want to tell people, hey, stock up on a little extra food here. Uh, who knows what's going on? And the reason I'm saying is, man, I can't wait to pray over some, some beef stew in the can and feed a uh, hundred people with a can of beef stew. Now, I know that may, may sound crazy. I remember at New Garden Church, I've told you before, that corn never run out. I'm telling you, we ate and ate and ate on a bowl of corn down there. Probably 70, 80 people, and everybody had a heat and plate of corn, and they took corn home. So only one lady brought corn. Now you tell me. That's the real deal. And God showed us that to say, look. So I'm excited about it. Kings and priests, the ministry, the ministry of kings and priests is not a gift. We're being made kings and priests. It's, it's, it's a becoming Now, let me get back to Revelation here. Get off on a tangent. I didn't read this verse. Verse 7. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. My goodness. And we're going to explain this here in a minute because if you ever wondered just naturally so how in the world could everybody see Jesus at the same time? What's he going to do? Flatten the earth out and get up here so everybody, I mean, the earth is round. I mean, if I'm in Australia, even if I'm way high in Australia, you can't see me if you're in America. It's just uh, an impossibility. Well, we say, well, God, with God, all things are possible. He can do it. Well, maybe he tells us how he does it if we have eyes to see. But this book here contains a deep and rich teaching concerning the coming of Christ. This is going to be so important. It's mysterious, wonderful, but always to be approached reverently, humbly, shoes off our feet, knowing we're standing on holy ground. This coming of the Lord that we've seen all through the scriptures. This appearing of the Lord. It's complex and progressive and extending through a variety of of diverse scenes and stages and events and manifestation. Until he has come in such measure of fullness that we know him finally in the dimension where he is. Glory. The glorious fulfillment that our hearts have longed for. That our hearts have desired 
4. And all that lacks is swallowed up. All the voids filled. All the voids in us filled with himself that Christ is all and in all. Filled with his fullness. Now on this Isle of Patmos, John saw the unfolding, this wonder, this drama of the coming of the Lord. And as this awesome sight, see we just read the words on the page, but imagine this. And this thing is unfolding, it's beginning to unfold right before the very eyes of John. And he cries out in astonishment and wonder and he said, behold, he cometh with the clouds and every eye shall see him. I mean this is a a proclamation, he's hollering it out. Wonder and awe. Now that verb right there, he cometh. And I know I'm not a Greek scholar, so i got to look all of this stuff up. But it's what's called a present indicative. He comes as a present tense reality. Now remember, John wrote this 2,000 years ago. And John is beholding the actual Lord Jesus Christ. It was the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. He wasn't seeing some phantom 2,000 years later. He's beholding the coming Jesus Christ. Now that word, he cometh. Now remember, blessed is he that readeth. Happy, full of joy. He comes as a present tense reality. He, He comes. He's in the act of coming. And behold, he is even now coming. In other words, you can say it like this. He has been coming. He is still in the act of coming. And he continues to come. It's something that is. Just like the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't come. The kingdom doesn't go. It's the increase. Just like the increase of his government. It's the government has come. It is come. It's ever coming. It's increasing. The church is either looking back to the historical Jesus, walk the shores of Galilee, or forward to some futuristic coming of Christ. But I, I hear this all the time. I know you do too. Everybody watches the news. Everybody says, well, that's about it. We're about ready for the mark of the beast. We're about ready for the Antichrist. We're about ready for the one world government. We're about ready. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, I don't know who, who their preacher or who they listen to, I want to tell them, uh, come and see the real God. I, I told a guy there yesterday, I said, you know, I quoted that scripture from Zephaniah. The Lord, the, the God, the Lord God that is among you is mighty. Do y'all know he's mighty? You're talking about a bunch of wimps and handing the planet over to the devil and everybody else and everything's going to hell in a handbag. I'm talking, do you not know the Lord God that is among you is mighty? Goodness gracious, don't you know? I mean, you know, I'm saying bring it on, (laughs) you know. Bring it on, you know. I mean, I don't care how big Goliath is. Do you not know? Terrible as an army with banners? My goodness. No, he, he, he comes. He is coming. He continues to come. He will continue to come. He's coming the fullness of every dimension until he's coming the fullness of every dimension which he can come. It's happening right now, even in our lives, right this very moment. 
It means that he, he comes from one place to another. Now, what do I mean by that? Where is Christ? Well, we say Christ is in you, but he's in the realm of the Spirit. He's in the realm of the Spirit to be manifested where at? In the flesh. God was manifested in the flesh. In what? In the body, in the person of Jesus Christ. So he's coming out of the spirit realm where we can't see into the natural realm where we can see. Coming out of the realm of the invisible to be expressed and revealed in a visible, tangible way to the physical creation. Because that's what they're waiting on. Groaning. And that, that coming has already happened. It is happening now and it shall continue to happen. That's why you have all of these pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib and all them other things. Because they try to divide it up. And they, Yes, he appeared to John. Yeah, he appeared to Martin Luther. And yeah, he's appeared to me and you and a thousand years from now. He'll still be coming. It's an ongoing, ever-continuous thing. And he shall come to be glorified in his saints, manifested in his sons to set creation free. And it says he cometh how? With clouds. With, what a word with. It's kind of one of them words when you pull up you get a whole big a lot of words in there. It, it, it means in common with. It, it's denoting an association with the clouds. Denoting a communion with the clouds. It also means in the midst of the clouds. Denoting an indwelling. Uh, it, it, it means among the clouds, which means participation. It even... Uh, it has the meaning of interdependence. Dependence upon each other. Now this is something we're going to kind of go in, in to on Sunday. But do you realize God won't move? If I use that word, he won't work in the earth except he does it through his people, his body. You didn't just, he didn't just grab you up and bring you into the kingdom of his dear son. Somebody prayed. I'm telling you, somebody prayed for you is how you got here. You might not know who it is. Maybe you do. They might have prayed long before you was born, but somebody prayed. That's how you got here. Now, he comes with the clouds. Now, keep that in mind, with the clouds. Now, from the dawn of history, the way in which God has displayed his glory has been in the form of a cloud. Call it the glory cloud. That cloud, that fiery pillar uh, by night and the glory cloud by day. He led Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness with that cloud. And that glory cloud signified the unique presence of God. It said... To Israel, God is present in this place at this time for a special purpose. Here he is. I told you they would 
They would never point up to heaven and say God is up in heaven somewhere. They would point to the tabernacle and say he's right there. That's where he said I'll meet you. There's where his glory is between the cherubims. So the cloud was a visible manifestation of his glory and presence while they walked in the light of his fiery presence. While they walked in that cloud, in his presence, no enemy could harm him, no calamity could come to him. That glory cloud. Let me go back over to the Old Testament. Remember, all this, this book is signs and symbols. So, is he really talking about a cloud? Exodus 19, back in 19 again, 19.9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. So where's he going to be speaking at? Out of the cloud. So he's coming in a thick cloud. Why? So that the people can hear when he speaks. So that he, he's going to be talking to Moses. He's going to be in the cloud, but the people are going to hear him speak. And then in Leviticus 16, verse 2, And the Lord said unto Moses, speaking to Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. That cloud, same cloud here, came down on Mount Sinai. That's what we read in Exodus 19. God had came out of, the, out of the realm of the Spirit to meet with Israel, and He'd done it in the form of a cloud. That cloud went into the most holy place and dwelt there between the cherubims over the mercy seat. They call it the Shekinah glory. I know everybody's heard of that term. But do you know what Shekinah means? It means to dwell. It means the dwelling glory of God. That's what Shekinah means. The dwelling glory of God. Christ in you is the hope, expectation of what? Glory. Behold, He cometh with clouds. Now the disciples... They had become accustomed to seeing Jesus the man, the healer, the teacher, the miracle worker. It's common. Not common, but common. They heard him speak of the majesty and the glory of his father, but they never grasped the significance of the glory and the majesty and the power of Christ who walked with them. They didn't get it. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, look at this. He takes them up. Matthew 17, 2, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. His raiment was as white as snow. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him. I'm going to skip to verse 5. And while he yet spake, Peter's, Peter's speaking, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Peter's speaking, and a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice spoke again out of the cloud as it did at Mount Sinai, 
which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So where did the voice speak from? The voice spoke from the cloud. He took Peter, James, and John with him. This is my beloved son. Now Jesus is enveloped in that cloud as they all were. In, uh, back over in Exodus 24, verse 15, Moses went up into the mount, and, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now listen to this. And after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into the high mountain apart. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day. I mean, I'm reading out of Exodus. I'm reading out of Matthew. Sounds like I'm reading out of the same book. And the seventh day called into Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of, of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel, like a devouring fire. And Moses is in the cloud, and here are these guys, and he's transfigured before their face, did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Oh my goodness. Jesus is... is enveloped in, in that glory, in that cloud. So much so, listen to this one. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, hath in these last days spoken unto us in his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who was the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself, he didn't need our help. Purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. We're talking the glory here. Now this, I know we're talking one cloud here, right? One cloud, that's what we've been talking about, one cloud. Now listen to this. In Acts chapter 1, and when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Y'all know those verses. That's in Acts chapter 1. What happened there? The cloud enveloped him and concealed him. He didn't fly off to planet heaven somewhere. He, he was, it concealed him from their mortal gaze. Same cloud. The same cloud that overshadowed Mary, impregnating her, speaking to her. It was the Shekinah glory that showed up down there. We call it the Holy Ghost, but I mean, that's what it was. Verse 
That Shekinah cloud which had always veiled the divine majesty of God from normal view. So God had consistently manifested himself in one glory cloud. One single cloud. That same one that, that led Israel. The same one that filled the temple. The same one that filled Solomon's temple. The same one that showed on the holy mount. The same one who's Christ ascended in a cloud. But here in the book of Revelation, we're introduced, behold, he cometh with clouds, plural. It went from one cloud now to a plurality of clouds. Christ departed in one cloud, yet he comes again in many clouds. Well, let's go to Daniel. Old Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Listen to what Daniel says. I saw in the night visions, chapter, uh, chapter 7 verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds, plural, of heaven. And came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. He came with, Daniel saw him with clouds, not in, not in the cloud. Daniel was familiar with the Shekinah glory, but now he says there's clouds. Matthew 24, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Clouds. Now the Holy Ghost gave us this book. This is not a typo. Matthew twenty six sixty four. And Jesus saith unto him, he's talking to the high priest here, Thou hast said, nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And let's go to this dreaded book. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's your rapture verse. Many clouds. Why are there now many clouds attending Christ's coming? And what are these clouds? And don't forget that we're dealing with the clouds of, uh, uh, the, with the cloud of God's glory, which is His presence and power, the Shekinah. Remember John 1, 14? 
The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and what? We beheld His glory. When did they behold His glory? The little baby as him walking around healing people? No, Peter tells us when, when they beheld His glory. And that was in uh, 2 Peter. Verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. When? For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. On that very mount, the Mount of Transfiguration. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. This glory of God. Now, listen to this. This is mind-blowing. John, the same John who wrote the book of Revelation, wrote this gospel. John chapter 17, verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You know who he's praying for right there? You and me. You and me. Can you imagine that? Jesus himself has prayed for you. Now why did he pray? That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. The glory that thou hast given me, I have given them. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me. Now, this is all not sent us, you and me, but sent him. And hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. He's praying that those who he's given be with him where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So he says, bring them in that they may behold my glory. And then what? And then he shares that glory with us. Here it is. From the dawn of creation's light until Jesus came, God manifested to his creation in a singular way his own glory. One glory cloud. A cloud the size of a man's hand. A cloud. And now as Jesus has approached this cross in John 17, he disclosed that God has purpose from eternity to share his glory with us. Now let me give you some epistles here. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 7, or uh, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doeth his children. That ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom 
and glory. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans, let me back up here to Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed whereat in us. Where's the glory revealed? In us. Now, I'm going to go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also are partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Partaker of the glory. And this one, Hebrews Chapter 2, verse 10. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Bringing many sons to glory. There is to be a mighty and a universal revelation of the glory of God. That same glory which was revealed in the cloud, but now in many clouds. Many sons of God. Let's go back to Thessalonians 3.13. There's just so much. Talking about the coming here. To the end he may be established... That he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now listen to that. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's he coming with? With all of his saints. He's not coming by himself. The whole world is waiting for Jesus to appear in the sky, but the, the Bible keeps saying that He doesn't come by Himself again. He comes with clouds. He's coming with His saints. When He's revealed, we shall, we shall appear with Him also in the same glory. The script, over and over and over. I'm telling you, we get this one mindset, but the, the Scriptures don't bear it out. Here's, a, uh, here's one in Jude. First Jude, first chapter of Jude. Not the second chapter. Jude 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly uh, which they have ungodly committed, and all of their hard speeches with ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment. Do you get that? 
But you know what it says right there? In, a, in another translation, in Amplified, it says he comes with myriads of, of holy ones. The, the emphatic diglot, that's a translation of the Bible that really gets down into the Greek, says it this way, and holy myriads of himself. Remember, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, it die. But if it die, it, it abideth alone. But then it what? It, it increases. It brings forth fruit. What Different kinds of fruit? No, fruit of himself. The increase of himself. Myriads of himself. People conformed to his image. Filled with his life. Born of incorruptible seed. Born from above. Zechariah says it this way. We get over here to Zechariah. Zechariah 14.5. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach into Azale. Yea, ye shall flee like as fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come. And all the saints with thee. Do you get that? He's coming with the saints. John sees it. He cries out. Behold he cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him. When Jesus ascended. And and he ascended glorified. He did it in one cloud. He was the one God manifested in all fullness in one man, the Son. That's the way it was, in one. He was the first fruit. And as he comes again, let me get back over here. As he comes again, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints... And to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Come to be glorified in all of his saints. The glory is shared. So the cloud which represents the glory is shared. It's increased. The the. The, the cloud of, of old rested on the tabernacle and filled the temple with the glory of God. I mean, that's what happened in the old. We get that picture. Well, guess what? We are His temple. We are now His ark. What do I mean by that? I'll write my laws in your heart. I mean, what, where were the laws? The laws was in the ark. And the ark was in the temple. Well, guess what? That's your heart. And He's in the temple. And the glory filled the temple. You're most holy. You're the you're the most holy place. You're His holy mount. Do you believe that you are His holy mount? We say, well, Christ is. Well, guess what? You're part of Christ Jesus. You're the body of Christ. The glory now rests upon us. It rests in us, increasingly filling us. And what happens? It shall radiate out from His holy habitation forevermore. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 16. 
And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of, of the living God. Ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He said it. Now think naturally here for a minute. I'm going I'm to finish up here in a second. As the clouds pour out the rain, so the heavens pour down the water. You know what happens with a cloud? It draws up the moisture. It gets full. It gets heavy with water until it can't hold it anymore. And then it spills over and we have rain. Right? I mean, that's just the natural occurrence. Well, God gives us all of these pictures in the natural to show us these clouds here. Let's go to Psalm 104. I know it's a lot of verses here. It's so rich. Psalm 104. Verse 3. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters? Who maketh the clouds his chariots? Who walketh upon the wings of his wind? Who maketh the clouds his chariots? I mean, can you see that? His, now, it used to be one cloud, and now, now he's making the clouds his chariots. Oh, my gosh. Verse 13. He watereth the hills from his chambers. Now, what's his chambers? He layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariots. So what are we talking about? We're talking about these clouds. He watereth the hills from his chambers. From what are his chambers? Where he's at, his clouds. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. A cloud speaks of a vessel which contains water. And what is the water? We're all symbolic here. What is the water? It's the water of life. It's who he is. It's a, the nature of a cloud to empty itself. Uh, let's go to Ecclesiastes. You got to, I mean, got to have a little Ecclesiastes. Never get Ecclesiastes here. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Listen to this. From the, from the great preacher, from the Song of Solomon. If the clouds be full of rain, guess what? You're the clouds, be full of life. They empty themselves upon the earth. Let me read that again. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves Upon the earth, it's their nature. Now, I just read to you in Psalms that he waters the earth from his chambers. His chambers are the clouds, and the earth is satisfied. But right now, we have an earth that is not satisfied because we read they're groaning and travailing, waiting for what? Waiting for the rain. And what does the rain do? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. We're not talking natural rain clouds here. God is filling the clouds with Himself, the clouds which we are. And the nature of each sun, each cloud would be to do what? Empty Himself out like I had to yesterday with great joy upon the earth. And it watered the ground. 
Same way as God poured into Jesus and Jesus is pouring into us. He poured out His Spirit upon all flesh. The one glory cloud emptied Himself. That's what He did at the cross. He emptied Himself. He poured out His life, who He was. A true ministry has life to give and is willing to empty Himself to give life to a dry and thirsty people. Now, you know what false ministers are? They're clouds without water, carried about with the winds. A true ministry is a cloud with water, life to give. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister, to give his life. Here's the prophecy. Prepare to rain, O ye clouds. I see see dark clouds coming and it's a good thing because the earth is dry and dusty and needs a good rain, doesn't it? Needs a good rain. That's why you see, naturally so, you see all the fires. I always look at things spiritual. And I say, man, that part of the world is burning up. What does it need? We need rain. I say, amen, they need the rain. I'm talking not talking natural. You know what I'm talking. They need the rain. And guess what? We're the clouds. We're part of the clouds. The Lord is coming to be glorified in His body, in the clouds of His presence. These are the clouds of His glory that we are being caught up in. I read that to you in Thessalonians. We're being caught up. Caught up into the clouds of His presence, of His glory to rain back on the earth. What a wonder that Paul has saw and John has saw. Our catching up is being brought to that spiritual dimension where we we become one with that whole great clouds of glory, cloud of witnesses, the spirits of just men made perfect. The life of God is taking form. Clouds are forming together. The clouds are gathering rain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessel. What is this treasure? Christ, who is the glory of God. We have it and in this earthen vessel, in the clouds. We're being called up into the clouds so that we can rain down. And You see what I'm talking about? When Christ came forth in resurrection, He came forth in, in new garments. He wasn't wearing, uh, He had a body that couldn't die no more. You know what I mean? A glorious, that's what we call it, a glorious body that will never taste death again, that will never be sin-laden again. Life and light. He brought life and immortality to light. I heard a guy say the other day, Dad knows who I'm talking about. He says, I can't describe it immortal. I said, what are you talking about? He brought it to light. Did he not? He brought, he brought life and, and immortality to light through the gospel. You can't describe it anymore. And I'm looking at him. Now his life is swallowing up the sin and death that is in us. This corruptible is putting on incorruption. Mortal is putting on immortality. Only as we daily put on the Lord Jesus are we changed. We're putting on. That's not a passive thing. We're putting on the Lord Jesus. We're putting on incorruption. That's who He is. 
And because we're putting on the life, putting on the mind, putting on uh, uh, the nature of His resurrection, we are being changed. It's not magic. We're being transformed. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not magic. And when we're fully changed by the power of His resurrection, we, we shall be bright clouds out of whom God shall shine out of whom the voice of God shall speak. Because remember I told you, He speaks out of the cloud. And we'll be pillars of clouds by day and fire by night to lead and guide humanity from the bondage of Egypt to the blessing of the promised land because in Him shall all nations be blessed. We're, we're the part of that. We're the body that that's coming through. You see all of these Metaphors, these symbols. Though His glory has generally been hidden throughout the ages, you know at certain times, just like a real dark night, you see a bright flash of lightning. You, you see that lightning flash and a whole thing lights up, but it, then it goes away and you kind of forget your way. His glory has generally been hidden throughout the ages and at certain times that hidden glory is flashed forth into prominence before the eyes of the few that was permitted to experience the unspeakable things for a man to utter. Things that, like Paul saw. Paul said he was swept up into the third heaven. <laughs> Couldn't even speak on the matter. You know you've seen things before that even if you could speak of it, you don't have the vocabulary to speak of it. It's beyond your words. You've seen it and it went away and you know it's there and you can't describe it. That's why you try to tell people... But those who watch the spiritual heavens soon see the clouds that they've never seen them before. Now who are we talking about? We're talking about each other. Clouds are forming in the heavens of God's Spirit that will be seen, that will be the chariot of the heavens, King of glory as He comes to refresh and quicken and restore all things. Every eye shall see Him. Now, the eye there symbolizes discernment. Let me give you a verse. This may be the last verse. Job. Job. 42. Verse 5. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my, mine eye seeth thee. Now, he didn't see God. Nobody's looked upon God. God is spirit. He didn't see a, a flesh and bone body of God but he discerned him you know that's what he was talking about now I know I know you that's what to see means to know blessed are the pure in heart for what they shall know God what was pure no mixture it means their desires are only for the glory of God it's we've set our affections we've set our minds on things above many saw Jesus and didn't know him they saw the Christ and didn't know who he was they saw his miracles. They didn't know him. They rejected him. They hated him. Only three saw him in his glory. Every eye is going to see him because there's coming uh, such a great grace and power at the revelation of Christ in his body that it will produce a supernatural quickening in the lives of all who behold the appearing of the Lord. Because listen, it's not him appearing up in the sky. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when they've seen you, they've seen Jesus. 
Do you see what I'm, you see what I'm talking Now, Now think about when, when you're this bright, shining cloud of glory filled with the presence of Him. Their spiritual eyes will be opened and they'll understand. They'll see what they've never saw before. You remember Simeon? Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He's holding a little baby. It wasn't he's looking at it. He saw beyond. The reason the world will know the sons of God to be the salvation of God is because God has poured His Spirit out upon all flesh. All will have their eyes enlightened to see in the body of Christ the salvation of God because that's where it is. To see in the sons and daughters of God the glory of God and the righteousness of God. The world will see God's sons and daughters in the body of Christ as the light of the world. I'll close with this. Behold, he cometh with the clouds and every eye shall see him. That's every eye shall discern, shall know him. I will quit with that. Amen.